Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. I just came across a book that I thought was especially fascinating. It's called Sacred Duty, A Soldier's Tour at Arlington National Cemetery, authored by uh, Senator Tom Cotton. He has served uh, tours in Iraq and Afghanistan, but he's also part of the Old Guard, uh, again, a, a top-notch unit at Arlington National Cemetery performing military funerals for hundreds of veterans and fallen comrades. And Sacred Duty takes us inside uh, that unit to understand its mission to honor our fallen heroes on what really is the most hallowed ground in America in light of our, you know, nas- you might call it our national civil religion. And uh, Senator Cotton, it's great to have you with me. Thank you. Thank you very much, Al. It's great to be on with you, and thank you for your interest in sacred duty. Yeah, talk to me about uh, what it's like being a member of the Old Guard. First of all, how did you get that assignment? Well, as I write in sacred duty, the Old Guard is um, one of the few volunteer-only all-application units in the Army, along with some of our elite special forces. (laughs) Although, strangely, I I didn't and I didn't volunteer. Uh, <laughs> that is uh, that is the ideal or the standard for which they aim, but in my days in the Army, uh, as in every unit, the Old Guard was stretched thin because the Army was too small in those days, 2006, 7, 8, okay. for the task the nation expected of it. But the Old Guard is a priority unit uh, because, as I write in Sacred Duty, every funeral in Arlington National Cemetery is a no-fail, zero-defect mission uh, that uh, they have to have the personnel to complete. Mm-hmm. So the Old Guard, uh, in the end of 2006, when I was still in Iraq, just selected six young lieutenants and captains uh, from the Army personnel records based on all the basic eligibility requirements, which are all pretty high, you know, certain height and weight, and got to be Ranger qualified and Airborne qualified as an officer. Um, and then from that, they just chose the six tallest ones. So that's <laughs> how I ended up there. I'm six foot five, and <laughs> one of the other six guys was six foot seven, and the other four were all 6'3", and uh, we all showed up in the 101st Airborne about four to six months later. As I understand it, you were studying law, uh, planning on going into legal practice when 9-11 occurred. That changed your career? Yeah, so uh, going back a few years, since I served in the Old Guard in 2007 and 2008, I, uh, I was in law school, my last year in law school, on 9-11. And as I walked out of that classroom and I learned what had happened, and I went to the student commons and watched the two towers fall and see that, saw the uh, mayhem and destruction at the Pentagon. I knew that my life had changed. I, I didn't want to practice law so much anymore. I wanted to serve our nation and mm-hmm. uh, go fight overseas against the people who had knocked down those buildings. Right. Um, I did finish school, and I worked for a couple of years to pay off all of my loans and to get my affairs in order, but the desire to join the Army never left. So uh, in late 2004, I signed up on the dotted line and shipped out to basic training in early 2005. And uh, for about two years, I was either training at Fort Benning or I was fighting uh, in Iraq with 101st Airborne. And then I came back from there and uh, joined the Old Guard in 2007. Uh, Arlington, we talk about Arlington as uh, hallowed ground in America. And tell us how it established that reputation. So... Arlington National Cemetery seems, if I can borrow from Tocqueville in another setting, to have been destined by some secret design of mm-hmm. Providence to be our national cemetery. It was virgin forest and farmland uh, when it was acquired by the adopted son of George Washington in 1778. 
specifically so he could move his family back up from the Williamsburg area in the Virginia Tidewater and be closer to his mother, um, who was widowed at an early age before she remarried George Washington, and be close to George Washington, who had raised him as his own son. Uh, sadly, uh, he died shortly after the Battle of Yorktown in 1781, which won the Revolutionary War for us. He left behind a six-month-old heir, uh, and George and Martha adopted that grandson, raised uh, him as their own child uh, at Mount Vernon for eight years during the Washington presidency when our capital was in Philadelphia, then at Mount Vernon again. And his name, George Washington Park Custis, to give you a sense of how much they esteemed uh, their uh, own father when they named him. Um, when he moved up to Arlington in uh, 1802, uh, first off, it was named Mount Washington at the time before he renamed it Arlington a few years later. He built that big mansion you can still see up on the hills mm -hmm. as a kind of homage to Mount Vernon and operated Arlington for much of his life deeply in debt because he used the revenues to acquire George Washington relics and heirlooms and memorabilia, which he threw open to the public as kind of the first public memorial to Washington, so much so that Arlington was known for most of the first half of the 20th century as Washington's treasury. Wow. Uh, Another young military officer moved in in 1831 when his uh, only daughter, Mary Custis, married uh, Robert E. Lee, uh, himself uh, the son of one of George Washington's revolutionary commanders. And uh, they made that their home in the winter times when Lee was not off building forts um, for 30 years. Uh, they lived there probably more than two-thirds of the, of the winters. That really was Robert E. Lee's only home. And he was offered command of the Union Army in April 1861, uh, which, of course, he declined and resigned his commission and went to Richmond. Um, and just a few weeks later, uh, on May 24, 1861, the Union Army crossed the Potomac uh, in night, uh, under cover of night, and they occupied that land. They held it every single day since then. And then three years later, um, they uh, converted it into a graveyard uh, because the Union war dead were filling up almost every cemetery in the capital. And then they converted it to a national cemetery. Strangely, uh, the, uh, Robert E. Lee's son, uh, to give, again, to give you a sense of how deep these roots run in sure. Arlington, who himself was named George Washington Custis Lee, he sued the federal government to get that land back, uh, even though several thousand Union war dead were buried there. Um, and he took it all the way to the Supreme Court. And then U.S. v. Lee, in 1882, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Lee family. Huh. So Custis Lee now held title uh, to our national cemetery, but he was magnanimous in victory. Uh, he didn't ask to uh, reclaim the land. He simply asked for just compensation. So he received $150,000 from the United States government. He signed a deed uh, of title over to the government, and the man who accepted that deed in his official capacity was the Secretary of War, Robert Todd Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's wow. son. Wow. So if you think about it, just 18 months after a war that had been so brutal that we killed more Americans by our own hands than in every other war yeah. we ever lost, yeah. Uh, the firstborn sons of Robert, or of uh, Robert E. Lee and Abraham Lincoln, were able to act in concert uh, to create our national cemetery once and for all. I think that story is part of the reason it's become such sacred ground, such a place of healing and reconciliation and unity for our country. Yes, <clears throat> that's remarkable—a place of reconciliation, uh, healing, uh, maintenance of the the Union. Uh, the, the Civil War dead. Uh, were many of them in Arlington? Not at first, and that was controversial, uh, as eligibility requirements are and remain controversial about Arlington. Mm -hmm. But over time, uh, they did, in fact, open up Arlington to Civil War veterans as well. Uh, many of those Civil War 
veterans have headstones that are slightly different from the iconic rounded headstone. They have pointed headstones. Um, but uh, after a couple decades, um, in part through some political bargaining between the uh, senators and congressmen from the readmitted states from the old Confederacy, they agreed to uh, open the cemetery up uh, to the Confederate war dead. Uh, it also was open to all of the uh, war dead from previous uh, wars as well. So some soldiers going back as far as the Revolutionary War were disinterred uh, and reinterred uh, at Arlington. So you can find at Arlington um, Americans who have fought in every single battle going back to our very first war. Mm. You know, uh, in the 1960s, uh, patriotism, duty, honor, respect uh, were under attack and remain under attack in certain sectors of American uh, culture and society. Um, the old guard embody the meaning of those things, uh, patriotism, duty, honor, and respect. And talk to me about how the old guard embodies the meaning of patriotism, duty, honor, and respect. What are the, the, the ritual actions that are taking place, the care shown uh, to the, uh, the dress, the precision of movement, Give us some idea, because it's a highly enacted civic liturgy, it seems to me. As I write in Sacred Duty, the old guard uh, has a very simple uh, and singular standard for every military honor funeral. That's perfection. And that's true whether it's a humble private or whether it was President George H.W. Bush. Um, It can take up to two or three months for a new soldier to certify through rigorous training and testing that he's prepared to perform a funeral in Arlington National Cemetery. That's preparing a uniform from scratch using large industrial-sized presses that every old guard company has in its barracks, building medals from scratch using materials you might find at Hobby Lobby or your local hardware store, learning the unique old guard techniques of marching as well as the small unit tasks like folding a flag to uh, crisp triangular perfection in exactly a minute and 55 seconds, or making seven rifles fire as one in the three-volley salute. Um, The training and testing is rigorous because the mission is so prominent and so sensitive. There are no do-overs in Arlington, and we all knew that for every family, each funeral was a -a once-in-a-lifetime moment, and it was a lifetime in the making, even even if it was the seventh or eighth funeral we performed that day. Um, and, And we took that with the utmost seriousness and I, I think one reason for that is is when you when you were if you're the officer in charge of a funeral you receive that folded flag you turn and you walk a few steps to the next of kin sometimes an elderly widow or widower uh, from a veteran who served in world war ii or korea maybe an adult child unfortunately sometimes especially in those days a, a young widow and maybe young children and parents as well um, but when you take a knee and you present that flag you say you're presenting it on behalf of the president and the army and behalf of a grateful nation. And that's really the old guard's mission is to express the gratitude, the respect, and even the love of a grateful nation in that one moment. Um, And that's one reason why the standards are so, so high. And every single soldier that I ever served with or whom I met over the course of my research for this book thought they should be that high. Who is qualified to be buried at Arlington? 
So that changes over time. As, you know, as we discussed earlier, Confederate veterans were not initially, and then they later were. Uh, today, there are many categories. Some of them are pretty small and obscure. For instance, a Supreme Court justice that not many of us would qualify for. But here are the main categories. Of course, anyone who has killed an action overseas mm-hmm. today. Um, anyone who has earned by uh, his or her valor on the battlefield a silver star or medal for valor in higher precedence than a silver star. Third, any person who has received a Purple Heart due to wounds received in combat. And fourth, probably the largest category today, are those who have served honorably and retired with 20 or more years of service. Again, there are many more standards, and there are slightly different standards for in-ground burial or for inertment in one of the columbaria, which are the open-air buildings with thousands of niches for the urns carrying cremated remains, but those are the four main categories today. Senator, thank you so much for the work that you put into the book and for your service to the country. Thank you so much. Thank you for your interest in sacred duty. I appreciate it. Tom Cotton is senator from Arkansas. Sacred duty, a soldier's toward Arlington National Cemetery.